0: and then it goes black. Torgle? see the question, Torgle. and then you see Mm. the eyes of a dog. It's like the colors are not.
1: You're right, oh, I didn't think about that. Because dogs don't have the
0: same color spectrum as humans do, so they they see less colors than we do. So in this first person perspective where he sees Phoenix being picked up by Ifrit and like pounded on and throat torn out and all this stuff, the perspective is a dog's eyes and it's it, Clive is seeing through Torgal. Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. And this is episode 1 of our Final Fantasy 16 analysis. Ooh, the game was exciting. released today. Yep. Here Lucky for us, a demo was released last week with basically <laughs> the first 3 hours of the game, yeah. which is exactly the right amount of time for a first mm-hmm. episode, episode of story one. analysis to take place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, usually we will do a dev history or something yes. for the episode one. Um, in this case, there, uh, we feel like there's going to be a lot more information on the development of this game that comes out later. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some now, and we can bring it up as, as we play. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, we might actually end up doing that one last. Yes. That would be fun. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, in my sort of history of researching the Final Fantasy games for the retrospective series that I've done, and the, the version I'm going to be bringing out later on that's even more in depth, it's clear to me that what developers say leading up to a game's release can yeah. often be pretty different from when it's post-release yeah. and they're reflecting on it. And there's a yeah. lot more information. More honest yeah, information. Yeah, more honest information. And <laughs> yeah. that's not to say they're being dishonest, but no, they're just they're trying just to sell the game exactly. leading up to it. And yeah. looking back on it, doing more of a post-mortem, uh, you can get a lot more of the really interesting details. So yeah. I'm going to wait on uh, really delving into that. Even though there is a lot, there's been a lot of interviews and things like that. Uh, we'll wait till maybe the end of the series or um, just later on in a later, couple of yeah. years or something to really delve into that. So this is the first yeah. time we're going to be doing a podcast series where we don't start off with development history and development developer interviews. The reason we like to do that first (laughs) is because it's good to understand where the intentions of the developers were when they were making the game. Yeah, yeah. So that when you're analyzing it, when you're, you know, making value judgments and that sort of thing, you can do so fairly. Um, So this part's going to be missing, though, you know, we'll still be doing our very best to be fair to what we think the intentions of the developers were. Yes.
1: and um, this is also the first time we're playing a game that just, just barely came, came out. out. And we have no idea how it's going to end. So yeah. a lot of, uh, as we go through the story, you know, a lot of, um, we're, we're just in the dark here. Yep. We're
0: completely blind. Yep.
1: And uh, so is everyone in the world. Yep. So, uh, this is this is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. So it's the first time that we've done it this way. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm excited to see where this goes. And oh, hopefully too, it'll be fun uh, to play it through for the first time along with the audience. Nobody knows the answers to a lot of the questions we'll have along the way. And yep. that's gonna be kind of exciting to, it will be, yeah. to search for that, you know, and, and everybody kind of working together in the comments. Um, that being said, you know, uh, there's not really anything to spoil. We don't know what's going to come, so we may be making guesses of where things go, and who knows if that'll be true, but everybody's kind of on the same page, and uh, that's going to make this series unique from the others that we've done. So, you usually have a lot of notes on the the very, very beginning of stuff. I do, I do. So Um, let's let's hear it.
1: So, at the very beginning, you get this beautiful line here, right, that Mm. is... Oh, who's talking here? It's either this, is Clive king, talking, this is Clive talking, I believe. Yeah. But 13, yeah, the older Clive, the 28-year-old Clive. That's right? Yeah. Uh he And I didn't write down the exact quote. I did. You want me to read it? Yes, please do. Okay. It was Moss the Chronicler who said that the land of Alasthea is blessed in the light of the Mother Crystals, and that it was this light which finally led our forebears out of the darkness yet what they saw in the light gave rise to temptation temptation that ever lures us back into the crystal shadow and thus did our journey begin (laughs) this is prometheus this is the garden of eden so they were blessed with light Mm -hmm. and the light led them out of the darkness Mm -hmm. right It gave them wisdom, you could say. It Mm. gave them, it was the first piece of technology. It was fire, right? And you think of what fire is. Why was it such a big deal? Like, why did Prometheus give fire? Why was it such a big deal? Fire is the power of the sun, Mm. right? And when you can make fire yourself, you have the power that the sun seems to possess, right? Mm. Trying to think back a million years, right? Mm. It's like, wow, like the sun has granted us the ability to use this fire. And then you play with it for a while, and you're like, oh, fire's cool, right? Mm-hmm. And then you burn down your whole village on accident because you work reckless. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, that's what fire can do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess villages, back when they first discovered fire, maybe uh, they didn't, weren't making log cabins <laughs> or anything. <laughs> but the idea being that fire hurts. It yeah. hurts. It's painful. Yeah. If it's used wrong, it can kill people.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so this, this power of the sun that you get, this is very important, what I'm talking about, because, as it turns out, the phoenix is a big kind of part of the game. You, oh, it's, it's not here. Not on the, the logo of the yeah, game the is the game. like a phoenix and then I think Ephraim underneath, right? Yep. So you're blessed with light. The light leads you out of darkness. But then the what you see in the light gives rise to temptation, right? And that's the power of the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, this is incredible power. This is the first piece of technology, right? Let's go conquer our neighboring tribes with mm-hmm. this. Let's go set, like, create uh, pyres and and, like kill people and execute them using the fire, right? Mm -hmm. Let's use fire for all kinds of nefarious purposes. And then this says temptation then leads to darkness. And that's kind of the story of what we were just, you know, what was just given to us. This is the cycle of life. You're given light, it leads you out of darkness, then the light itself Gives rise to temptation, which brings you back to the darkness, and then you have to rediscover the light again, the Mm -hmm. true meaning of the light. And then it's manipulated and created and uh, destroys things, and then you rediscover the the truth, right? Or the, you know, the goodness of the light. Mm -hmm. Um, So Garden of Eden and Prometheus. (coughs) And what's really cool about this is that the way the game starts out with this, then you see that phoenix fight. That's Mm -hmm. the way the game starts, is with that fight. You have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. But it's these fire beings, it's the phoenix, which is the sun, right? The sun that dies and and is reborn, yeah. And um, then as the camera kind of zooms out, as this fight is happening, um, and it's in his eyes, right? And he's looking at at a fire. He's looking at uh, a campfire, basically. And you see it reflecting in his eyes, and he's clearly remembering something Mm -hmm. that had happened in his past, or that, that he saw in, in the past. Um, so the connection to fire is clearly there. The connection to Phoenix is absolutely there. And then the Garden of Eden slash Prometheus story, um, it's, it's big. And one of the desires, one of the ideas would be, gotta get rid of the fire, right? <laughs> the fire's mm. too much, humans can't handle fire. Um, the other one would be like, how can we ever develop the wisdom to correctly handle this type of technology? Mm. That's a question that is uh, very um, prescient today Yeah, in 2023. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Um, As well as it was a million years ago when fire was first discovered. Yeah. So that's what that makes me think of at the beginning here. I
0: I also really liked this part of the line that says, (coughs) temptation that ever lures us back into the crystal's shadow.
1: The shadow, the darkness,
0: right? Yeah, well, we're talking about how, you know, the story of Prometheus, the reason why this was such a big deal was that it allowed mankind to get one step closer to the gods. To the gods. And That's the gods true. don't want that. You're right, right. you're right. <laughs> and the gods don't want human beings point. to become more like them. Um, and so, but the, t- the temptation, right, of, of the way that they use it, and the power that it possesses, all the bad that can come of it, lures them yeah. back into the shadow of the gods. In their rightful place. Right. Right. According to the gods. Right, so it's like, you believe you can't handle this, you see what you've done, you need yes. us. Yes. We are the ones who really control right. the elements, come back, and let us, uh, our shadow be cast over you. Right. So the mother crystals are, you know, the analogy here, they're kind of like the gods. That's what the, the people crystals, are dependent yeah. upon in this world. Yep. And so the people live in the shadow of the crystals. Yeah, they're governed right. by yeah.
1: the crystals and the fate that the crystals bestowed upon them.
0: Right. So that's a nice way of framing the world that we're living in. Really succinctly, yeah. you, you've got this, like, ominous feeling about these crystals, I think, a little bit. This is They, they are dependent upon them. They, they need their blessing to live according yes. to the at least the way that they see this right. right now. But there's some kind of shadow that they're living under by uh, using them in the way that they do or in depending upon them in the way that they do. Yep. And so that's what you need to know. Now let's have yes. the story well, begin.
1: It's like they're a slave. To their own technology, the technology—it's just just 2023. (laughs) That's what it is. So, in in that in that sense, I really like the theme of the game because it's really relevant.
0: Yeah, Um, at least so far. There is a reason that they keep showing us this red star near the moon did you mm, notice that i did that again. how many times they framed that up yes and like,
1: and it's a um, me, me, metia, metia? Met is the
0: name of this yes. red star yes metia. Metia. That, that sounds an awful lot like meteor yes
1: it sure does <laughs> you are asking for something you are you are praying because uh, i think it's yeah. it's brought up a little bit later oh are you wishing upon a star oh i wouldn't that's what no, kids, I'm too, kids wish old upon a star. now uh yeah. yeah really and then it's uh it's a red star and it's called yeah, metia metia right mm-hmm. and the woman and when you pray to something you bring it closer to you mm-hmm. right you know anyway so you're you know, summoning the power of that of the star
0: being longtime fans of Final Fantasy we can <laughs> kind of see where this is going yeah um, some something, something's gonna happen but there's definitely something going on with that the fact that yes. they that there's it's a very clearly a bright red star yeah. right near the moon. There one. is a reason why that's literally the first thing you see. That means it's closer. Yeah, and and all. there is a reason why they showed it and featured it so many times in so yeah. many different scenes. So I wanted to point that out first. But what did you feel about being thrown right into this fight between Phoenix and Ifrit right off the bat?
1: Um, I you- didn't know. I just didn't know. I didn't know. I will tell you, I wasn't the biggest fan of the fight in general, generally speaking. Um, like but the mechanics made, of it, Yeah, right? the mechanics and, yeah. and just the way it's shot and the way it looks. Um, it's, it's cool, though. I, it, I liked it a lot more when it was given proper context um, two hours later. Later, right? Yeah. Uh, but being thrown in right here, I like it in the sense that it's the beginning of the two towers, mm-hmm. right? You've got Gandalf and the Rog falling, and then Frodo wakes up, Oh, it was all a dream. I like where it's going. Mm. Um, I just didn't love it in and of itself.
0: Okay. It, it's tough to kind of talk about the effectiveness of starting right off with this fight between Ifrit and Phoenix because it changes it so much when you've seen the marketing material and the trailers beforehand.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: you already know Joshua is the Phoenix. You already yeah. know that something happens with Clive and Clive, because there's trailers where Clive says, Ifrit, come to me, and things like this, right? So you know that he's involved with, so we kind of already know what's going on. Yeah. But if I was completely blind, if I had not seen one thing and I knew nothing at all about this game's story, and I had not watched a single trailer, I think I would have really liked being thrown into it like that. It would have been like, whoa, this is crazy. I have no idea what's going on, Uh, but this is really like a high level of spectacle and this is crazy. Why are they fighting? I would have had a lot more questions, but since I already know the answers to them, it didn't serve as quite the hook I think it could have been otherwise. But I don't know how to get around that problem. It's not even really a problem necessarily. It's just, uh, yeah, it didn't like... Hit me as like the most effective way to start, just because I already knew the context behind this, and it was meant. It was clearly meant to build some kind of mystery. But
1: yes, clearly. Yeah. Um, And that's. I guess that's just unfortunate. Movie trailers and game trailers have a bad habit of doing that because they're trying to show you the coolest stuff the game has to offer uh in doing so they kind of show you all the cool stuff that the game has to (laughs) offer unfortunately and there's it's a double-edged sword right you got to get people to buy the game but you also don't want people to know everything that happens yes and you don't want to oversell it um but in connecting this with the beginning of the two towers yeah um in that sense just in terms of like the way a movie might be structured i did like it Mm. i did um and then instead of a dream, it's just a memory, right? Yeah. But it's at night, and he's in front of a fire, and right. you still get—it's still very similar. You can tell that they kind of tried to base it off. Of
0: oh yeah, like that, that was the, the thing I was thinking the whole time. Yeah. It, I mean, especially <laughs> the shot where it's the wide angle. Yeah. In and you like see them—the gulch, and they're just falling, falling down. This yeah. this blaze of fire is just yeah. falling down. It's like that's straight out of the Two Towers. One hundred percent. But um, but yeah, I mean, like it, it works, I think, to similar effect in terms of starting out with something visually striking, yeah, and you go, whoa, that's crazy. Yep. And then I, I like how they used the campfire in Clive's eye as the transition. transition point. Very cool, yeah. Um, back out into, what, uh, the year of the realm 873, which is when we're, we're, we kind of jump forward to that point, right?
1: Yeah, and um, and the fact that you're seeing fire reflected in his eye or that yes. you're seeing into his soul and in his soul is fire. There's so many metaphors here. Like it's really cool. Because I mentioned Prometheus before, I mentioned the light, I mentioned the story. There's also Phoenix, there's also Ifrit, there's also just him and his relation to fire. Like it's really cool. There's a lot going on here and I always appreciate that. Like the artistry that it takes to combine all these things into one image and have it all kind of cohere. Uh, Very cool, very cool. But you don't really know that right off the bat no I kind of went back and watched it again and yeah. came up with a lot more takeaways <laughs> <coughs> than I did just after a first playthrough
0: of the demo right, right. exactly yeah um, so yeah we get some there's kind of a lot of information and and this is true this is one of the hardest things about writing a fantasy story you are introducing a whole different world with different terminology places names uh, governmental powers and structures, magic systems. It, there's a lot of things you have to introduce yeah. to your reader, player, viewer, whatever. Mm. Um, and there's there's a really like a pacing to that that is key to yeah. hit, or else people will get very, very confused. Like, yes. who is this person again? Wait, what is that You're kingdom? already confused, What yeah. What was this guy's father's daughter? Uh, you know, deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Well, and as we were talking earlier,
1: <laughs> I actually confused um oh Annabella yes. with um with Benedicta.
0: Benedicta. Yes,
1: they seemed
0: so similar to me yes. in
1: so many different ways. Yes,
0: this is one of the greatest challenges of writing this level of like high fantasy. Yeah, and um, where you're
1: skipping to different scenes, telling things from all sorts of different yes. perspectives. Things are like third person, um, and then. Well, like third-person omniscient, I guess would yeah. <laughs> would be the uh, the writing style. Um, but then you're you're um, you're also moving in time, right? Yes. There's time skips that are happening. Mm. Um, very very difficult to kind of keep it all together. Uh, by the end of the demo, I think the game does a pretty good job, um, but it can be pretty confusing at the beginning yeah. for sure.
0: So it's it's a hard thing to nail, and I think for the most part they do a pretty solid job. My sort of like personal rule of thumb with this is that what you need to really focus on is your main character first. Yeah, for sure. The people need to know who the main character is, and they need to be attached to that main character, they need to understand that character's uh, reason for being motivated to get involved, uh, the the inciting incident, all of that. So there may be this beautiful world in which you've structured and created all kinds of cool stuff, but Mm -hmm. it's probably a good idea to hold off on going too hard on all of that until your character, your your viewer, reader, player, is very much so introduced to understands your driving sort of main character, and I think that they did a pretty good job with this. There's only really one scene. Uh, it's it's actually the scene where uh, you have. Uh, what is it, the Dal, that's Dal, not Dalmasca, that's Dalmikian. That's uh, FFW. <laughs> yeah. The Dalmikian Republic meeting with the Kingdom of Wal, Wallet, I think it was, mm. and you have Benedicta, and you have Cap, uh, Cap, Cap, what's his name? The freaking uh, The
1: big dude, the Kup, big
0: guy. Kupka. Kupka. <laughs> Kupka, that's Kupka, Kupka. The, the guy who's the dominant for Titan. Yeah, yeah. That whole scene, and the kind of the politics going on there, was the one scene in this whole sort of stretch of two hours, three hours, where I was like, that might not have been the most necessary scene to have right now. Right. Like, yeah, what we really better. need to understand is Clive. Yeah. We really need to focus on Clive before, because yeah. we're not going to see those characters again for a very long time in the scheme of things. Yeah, it's so true. So it felt a little bogged down just there, but it's right. not like the longest scene in the world. It it mm-hmm. does pass pretty quickly. It doesn't necessarily overstay its welcome. It just walks a line in which you can start. Losing some people, obviously, it didn't do that, and that's right. good. I mean, people generally were very, very—they um, received this very, very well. Yeah. So it didn't confuse too many people, I don't think. But that's uh, a, a fine line to walk, I feel like, as a fantasy writer, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just—I mean, we get all these things: the the NYSA Defile,
1: yes, the, the Dalmikian
0: re- Republic, the the Iron Blood or the yeah. ironborn the iron, yeah uh, the the Zernitra stronghold the <laughs> the <next laughs> storm. you storm. you got benedicta and walled and kupka and you got like all these different names and places and things and it can be very overwhelming at first yeah um, but they i think i think they walk that tightrope pretty well like all things considered yeah uh, so basically what's happening in this first scene is You've got a group of four, seems to be like sort of specially, uh, I don't know, agents or I don't know if that would be the right term necessarily, like soldiers. In-
1: infiltrators, yeah.
0: That their job is to go and take out the dominant uh, from the iron blood side of this battle. Yeah. They have a dominant, now I guess we should explain that. So, cause that can <laughs> be confusing yeah. too. That's, oh, that's, yeah, that's that was, part of it. That was. What <laughs> is an icon? What is a dominant? What is the difference between a regular person and a dominant, right? Yeah. So the icons are for Final Fantasy fans, people who are familiar with the series. These are the summoned monsters, Ifrit, Titan, Rama, uh, Garuda, uh, freaking Bahamut. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All of these monsters, right? Their name in this game, they call those icons. Uh... Icon spelled E I or K-O-N. So not icon like iconography. It's more um,
1: icon like in Final Fantasy IX, the girl Echo, Eiko Echo Carol. Right. E-I-K-O.
0: Right. Yeah. These summoned beasts can sort of be channeled through a person who yeah. is called the dominant.
1: So yeah. I would assume
0: the dominant is controlling domin what the, the, the term sure. domin dominant dominate. Yeah. Right controlling the icon Uh, we see this with uh, Joshua we we're we're, we're kind of in his mind we're hearing his voice his his thoughts as he's fighting through the Phoenix so while he's maybe struggling to control it um, he he's definitely in control to a large degree of this beast so now there's a kind of a wrench that gets thrown into this with ifrit and clive which we'll talk about when we get to that scene but that's what the terminology is for icon and dominant. So there's these two sides fighting each other, the Iron Blood and the Dalmekian Republic. And the Iron Blood come from the north, right? Yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I, I have a whole um, what do you call it? The active time lore thing that oh, they nice. have where you, you can read all about different I, things. So I, I, I have seen one some of that yeah for the Iron Blood that I'll read and we'll get all the details on cool. them in a little bit. But so these two sides are fighting and the Iron Blood side has the i has a dominant for the icon Shiva, mm. which is an ice yeah uh, an ice summon an yeah. I- an ice summoned beast, <laughs> uh, which is a classic Final Fantasy summon. Right. Uh, the Dalmikian side have another dominant. This guy, his freaking name is so weird. I always forget a Koopka or something like Kupka, that. Okay, yeah who is the dominant of Titan, which Mm -hmm. is like the Earth Elemental Summon. Um, And there seems like there's a little bit of concealing going on on both sides, because you you brought this up. Why don't they just, like, start the attack with their icon and just have their icons fight each other? Why are they even because there's
1: there's so many people dying like that was the biggest thing that stood out to me that ff16 is not going to shy away from is is the blood and and, you know death and all of that so as um as clive gets closer to the battle with his kind of squadron you see this huge group of people like running and fighting each other and they're just slashing and killing and fighting and it's not until later that you realize wait a second there's these huge titans yeah. that are gonna fight the battle. What are these? These guys are either getting in the way, or they're all gonna die when the nuclear bomb hits. Yep. <laughs> or they're like, why are you sacrificing so many people when you could save a ton of lives by just like having, bringing out your titans, yeah. having them fight for you? Right. But there seems to be like a feint, or a, there seems to be a strategy to this that yeah. nobody wants to bring out their dominant their icon first Mm -hmm. (coughs) that you always want the other side to do it first so that way they don't know where you are and you can make a surprise attack or you can plan accordingly with your icon assuming you have multiple uh, if you have multiple dominance, I don't really know everything how this all works, yeah. but um, typically it seems like once one shows up, the other one then shows up and it's yeah. almost like Pokemon, right? <laughs> like You want to see what the other opponent does first. Yeah. And then if you go second, you can counteract it a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so it's like they're playing cards. And while all the soldiers are dying, uh, they're holding on to their, their dominant because they mm. don't want to reveal their hand yet. Yeah. Um, And then eventually the dominant himself walks out against the king's wishes. Right. Right, And he's just like, I'm going to go do this. And it's like, no, don't go, don't go. And it's not that he's going to die. Well, maybe he might. He's he's pretty powerful. It's just that the king wanted to wait longer. He wanted to help. He wanted reinforcements. He wanted other things to happen first. Then he was going to bring out the dominant, right? Right. So it's very interesting. I like the strategy here. I yes. like it. It's not what I was expecting. Yes. I was expecting the dominance would already be out there on the field of battle and that the soldiers would be fighting around them and it would they would incorporate it all like into the battle. Uh, it does not seem to be that way at all.
0: Yeah. So um, what's interesting here is that, well, we haven't mentioned the tattoos on the face. No, yet. not yet. Um, so, But there's three factions involved in this scene. Yeah. Uh, you have, of course, we just mentioned Dalmikia and... Uh, the Iron Blood that are fighting, yeah. but these guys that Clive is with, with the tattoos on the face, if you look at the, if you pay attention to the armor towards the end of the demo from the Empire that comes and sort of like takes oh, yeah. out all of the, the the Rosarian, uh, you know, soldiers yeah. in in their castle, um, they're wearing that same armor, hmm. like the armor that these guys are wearing is the same armor. So these are Imperial soldiers of Sand so mm-hmm. there's four imperial soldiers that are there, it seems secretly, and their only job is to kill the dominant from the Iron Bloods, Shiva's dominant. Yeah. And the, and, and he, the, the sergeant makes it really clear, like, we're only here to do that. Do not kill anyone else. Do right. not engage anyone else. Do not do anything other than kill Shiva's dominant. Right. And one of the, one of the guys in the squad is even like, oh, that's not any fun. Like, what? You know, how do we even know she's there? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of leading into your point. They're not even sure right. it, where the dominant is, and or if they're going to use it in this battle, that's or That's the strategy, what? right? Yeah.
1: that's part of the game,
0: right? Yeah. So there's some doubt about the that. the deception. And of course, he then leans in and says, "It's not our place, yeah. or our, the, the place of our kind, to question orders. We just follow them." Yeah. So, and then it, it shows a shot of Clive sort of touching the yes. mark on his face. And when the guy leans forward to
1: say, we follow orders, his tattoo is very yeah. clear. Yeah, And then we see Clive touching his face as well, and it's pretty obvious, like, uh, that's the mark of a slave.
0: Yes. So they are slave soldiers. I think yeah. it's made pretty obvious through that line. Yep. So these are slave soldiers from the empire of Sam Breck. And they seem to be here to alter events or have some sort of hand in how yeah. this battle goes. But not in any obvious way where it would implicate that the empire yeah. is reaching its hand and sort of trying to influence yeah. this, hmm. which is interesting. It's hmm. like, okay, what's Sam Breck's deal then? It's called an empire. Right. What right? does that mean? You know, exactly which factions, which kingdoms, which uh, belong to that empire. Right. I, it would have seemed to me that Rosaria would be because it's a duchy. So, mm, you know, a, right. a duke and a duchess, they're not kings and they're queens. Not the kings. They're servants of or or what's the, the they're stewards of oh, sure. one part a region, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I and the fact that even Joshua later on says, "Why would the empire do this? There are allies." Yeah, would yeah. lead me to believe that Rosaria is at least one part of the Empire Sandbrek, but I don't yeah. know that for sure. Hmm. I'm just kind of trying to piece together what we know based on what's been said in the game so far. So Sandbreck is interesting. I don't know what's going on with them. But that's what they're here to do. So they're making their way down, and then we get this scene where we learn all of this stuff up at the uh, what did they call it? The the stronghold. Z- Zernitra stronghold. He sort of Clyde sort of looks up there and we cut into that negotiation room. And so yeah. you have the king of Waled on one side. This is Benedictra, Benedicta's side, the, the woman. And then you have the Dalmikian Republic side where Kupka is. And and it seems that Dalmekia has summoned them there as some sort of allies or yeah. bannermen or something saying, come fight. You, you us, swore yeah. to lend us you know, your aid in wartime. And they seem to be refusing to do that, yep. which is yep. pissing off at least one of the guys I don't know his name, on the side of the Dalmekians. Yeah. And it's like, leader. what the heck? Like, you're supposed to help us. And they're just refusing to do so. Yep. So as this is going on, Benedicta expresses surprise at being summoned at all. It's like, you Dalmex are renowned warriors who fought off the Crusaders, another mm-hmm. term we don't really totally yeah. understand yet, right? Uh, you have your own dominant who hasn't even taken the field yet. Like, right. what are you so worried about? Yeah. And I think that uh, that guy then stands up and says, "Well, we we know now, like our information tells us that they've got their own dominant, right. and so like it would be totally unwise to, uh, you know, underestimate them and all this stuff." And that's when Kubica comes up and just like puts his hand. This guy, this dude's huge. He's by the massive.
1: Way. <laughs> yeah, go figure that his the icon he summons is like the his big titan. titan. Yeah. yeah,
0: this dude is like absolutely just a massive human being. Yeah, just towers over everybody. And uh, there's, there's a lot of power when he decides to, to speak on something. Yeah. It's like everybody else shuts up yeah, when he, he decides to say He kind of pushes the king down a yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. Uh, should this citadel fall, the capital will lie exposed. And I doubt the Crusaders, again, I'm not sure who the Crusaders are, mm. will wait for the good king's pawns, or I doubt the Crusaders will wait for the good king's pawns to line up before taking the board which leaves just me. So right. what he's essentially saying there is if if we don't win this battle then the uh, capital is exposed to the iron blood army, right? And the crusaders, whoever they are, are not going to wait for the king to get his pawns on the board to counteract that. Right. So we have to win today. Yeah. The crusaders will get involved if we lose. So yeah. I'm I'm the only one left, which leaves just me, and the Iron Blood will rue the day that they set foot in on Storm. The game is over. So he's going out there to end this fight. Yeah. And then, pretty interesting development. This character Benedicta from the other side of the table. <laughs> follows, she like
1: runs after him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, follows him mm. out, and it, we we get a revelation here that there's some kind of maybe under the table or secret relationship going on between them. Yeah. Particularly yeah. since they're representing two different. Right, Bactions they didn't say here.
1: anything when they were in
0: the room with other people. Yeah, and as soon as they're alone, they're like,
1: "Oh, hey, let's uh,
0: yeah, let's get together." <laughs> so this is hinting at, I think, at least on the part of two dominants who seem yeah. to be subservient to whatever nation, country, kingdom that yeah. they they might be scheming something sure. together. Yeah, especially when they yeah. have all the power when they are. <laughs> the dominance, right? Like yep. why would they be subservient when you can just become Titan and smash yes, everybody. Exactly. So they're 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 kind of weaving something there as far as a question or a mystery. Yep. Um, again, I'm not sure we needed that mystery quite yet, uh, because we're still not introduced to our main character yet and we're not gonna see anything develop between the Iron Blood and Woled and mm, Benedicta and part. Kupka until yeah. way after we get through all the stuff with Clive right. so again this was the one scene and I'm not saying it's bad I'm just saying it's the one scene where upon playing this I was like I'm not sure like we yeah. quite needed that right now and I still don't know all these names and factions and mm-hmm. terms and stuff like that you're kind of throwing a little too much at me right away and I still don't know who my main character is yet so, yeah, it's my one slight tepid criticism of <laughs> the intro of this story. But um, so
1: <clears throat> she then tells him, like, "Oh, you have to be careful. Make sure you come back yeah, tonight." right. And he says, uh, "He says, does the lion need to?" what is it does the lion take care when he chases after the hair yeah or do you think me more of the latter yeah right, right which is i thought that line was very good yeah that line gave me some vagrant story vibes a little yeah, bit sure and she's saying no no you know of course you're gonna win you're gonna win and he says that's right and all i really need is somebody to keep me warm when i'm yeah He right? well, says,
0: i'm not afraid of a little frost because he's yeah. going out to fight shiva, shiva yeah but i will need someone to warm me when i return yeah which is you know kind of cool a so little, little innuendo. I thought it was really there.
1: it was really good, though. Really well done. Yeah. <clears throat> there's another thing that I kind of skipped over a little bit. Okay. After, there's the fire in his eyes at night, right, with the campfire. Uh, but then the next day when they're like, all right, let's go. He's kind of standing, staring at the sun for a while, for mm. like a long time. Mm, I don't know, four seconds. It's a oh, long yeah. shot, Oh, yeah. He kind of
0: just walks towards he like steps a up, precipice and looks yeah. out over. Yeah.
1: And But he's looking up, and he's looking at the sun, basically. Mm. Now, the sun is, the phoenix, well... This Phoenix symboli- the sun is a symbol for Phoenix. We'll okay, put it that way. Sure. Um, and so it's interesting that he goes out and he's looking up at the sun. Hmm. Um, I didn't even think of that. That's an interesting. Because yep. he was just looking at the fire, remembering something, and then we see him again, and he's staring at the sun. So uh, there's good stuff. I'm going to have a little bit more to say um, about Kay. that here in a little bit. But the sun is the light of the world. And his name is also Wyvern. Wyvern. Wyvern.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like his... Um- soldier name code name i don't know yes whatever
1: it also hints that he might have some secret powers we don't know about sure (laughs) yeah like what you're calling him a dragon or a
0: wyvern well and the sergeant also emphasizes multiple times you are key to the mission's success yes you need to focus and you are not allowed to die you're not allowed to (laughs) die yeah like you can't die like uh, don't even think about going there like you are not allowed to die in this fight yeah that's crazy so whatever clive is meant to do here in terms of taking out Shiva's dominant like they're relying on him to get it done yep so that is an interesting code name for that reason so then the battle of soldiers as they're
1: going around fighting and these the the four are kind of getting closer um all of a sudden the titan shows up right it's really cool when he shows up he's gripping awesome. the cliffside. It's and really awesome. At first I'm like, oh no, he's here to fight us. But then it's like, he's so big, yeah. he's not at all concerned with Clive and his life No, leader. he's not even thinking. He, he's that. not even looking in that direction. He is looking out. And then Ifrit shows up. Shiva. Sorry. Yeah. Shiva shows yeah. up then after Titan um, has already kind of made himself known. He yeah. is massive. It's really
0: cool. They sell
1: yeah. they sell the scale really, really, really they well. They
0: really do. Um, you, you definitely feel the impact. Uh, and, and I'm not yeah. one like we were saying, I think in the other video we made on this, uh-huh. to sort of like uh, get swept up in spectacle and special effects. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we were visual effects artists for a long time. Yep. Um, you know, we kind of know how things are done. And when you know yeah. how they're done, it's not quite as impressive no, anymore. Yeah. But this worked. It, it was it, cool. It, the spectacle of this fight really worked. I, I really felt it. The music was good. The shots were really cool. Really. Um. Cool. It, and and it, like the expression, I really liked the facial expressions on Shiva as, oh, as they yeah. were fighting. You, you, you kind of see almost this, like, what's going on internally, what they're thinking, what, yeah. what's my next move. Like, because she shoots out all those huge, like, sharks, and he just, like, yeah. punches, punches and punches shatters them. <laughs> and then it, it has, like, the crystal sort of floating in this sort of slow motion yeah, shot. Yeah, around his eyes. And, and she's... She's working through what the next move is. You don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's just, it's cool. It's just really cool, I guess is the best way I could put it. It's very This well whole scene is really cool as far as the spectacle goes. And then fissures are opening up and people are falling in. Yeah, because every now and then. You. They give you those shots that remind you, oh, there's
1: people underneath. Yeah. He's stepping on people, basically, yeah. in order right. to do, and it's his own people, I think. Yes. Um, and, that's creepy and weird and all these these shots like the the battle of soldiers has just become a battle of gods Mm -hmm. and the gods don't care about the soldiers yes right and they're stepping on them they're killing them and they're um they're it's the gods fighting each other it's not the soldiers the soldiers don't actually matter
0: yeah it's like the soldiers existed in the fight to conceal just as pawns when are the titans gonna come out and when and why and And where how will they be used yeah once that happens The soldiers no longer matter. Now it's the Battle of the Titans. Yep. Right? (laughs) So it's like uh, they're totally expendable at this point. And that battle need not continue anymore. It's like this is... It's almost irrelevant. It's pointless. It's like, get out of there.
1: Get out of there. The Titans are here. Everyone run back. Go back as fast as you can.
0: But then Biast Biast is one of the four guys that are part of this uh, Sanbrekian infiltration group here. He gets crushed by one of those boulders. He just gets freaking smashed. just just destroyed. (laughs) And then
1: something almost almost kills Clive. Yes. But then it was at Tiamat. The other guy was like, oh, I told you, you're not allowed to die yet. Yeah. We're losing consciousness. And as we lose consciousness, he says, brother.
0: Yes, he he, he refers to BS, the guy who died as his brother. I wrote that down, too. That's, you know, brother in arms kind of thing. But a stronger Clearly, bond he means than something else, though. Yeah, I think that there's he's remembering something yeah. to that, and, and the fact that he's flash, flashbacking right at this part right then, it, it leads into what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So this is where we we flash back now, 13 years previous. Yeah, this is Clyde was 15 at the time that we're now jumping into, which the 13 year difference will put him at 28 yep. in the previous scene, which you mentioned. So 13 years earlier. He's he's in the middle of sparring with the Lord Commander of the Rosarian Army, um, Murdoch, who's who I guess is serves as some kind of mentor for him in terms of as a soldier. Yeah, teaches him
1: how to fight, but also kind of is a is a guard a protector.
0: Yes, and so this serves as a tutorial for the combat, teaches you about how to attack, how to use your fire. Uh, attacks and even like the phoenix ability that he has Yeah. right so um, yeah you've got yeah, very cool. a couple of the characters they introduce here Joshua who is Joshua. Clive's younger brother and Jill you she's know? obviously good oh. friends with Joshua and Clive yeah um, childhood friends and clearly Probably. she feels a little something more than that for Clive yes it and seems Clive so. seems but they're to young. be a little bit um, conflicted about that. We'll get yes, to that in the scene so. w- between him and Jill later. But um. Well, his
1: job, he is a shield of the flame. Yes. When a person is called a shield, <laughs> it means they are uh, putting themselves at risk, right? It yes. means that they are um, somebody who will be expected to die for the person for the the sake of whoever they're uh protecting um i feel like that might be his conflict right yeah his purpose is to go die he's not going to go get into some romantic
0: relationship right because it's not going to work out well um so yeah so they're all watching in the bailey as uh clive fights and he actually does knock commander murdoch down it's like the first time he actually Yep. won a point or, you know... And Murdoch
1: doesn't give him <laughs> trouble over it. Nope. He's
0: just like, a job.
1: That was good. You did yeah. it.
0: Uh, you are a true shield. Don't let anyone tell yep. you otherwise, even myself. Even right?
1: myself. And so, then uh, the, yeah. the line, blessed by the Phoenix, uh, shows up as well, where he says, during the fight, like, remember, yeah. you're blessed by the Phoenix, you can yes. use these special fire moves, right? That's right. And so what is the difference between a dominant and being blessed by?
0: Yeah, this is a good question because... Clive is the firstborn son yes, of that's right. the Duke. And, yeah. and whoever the Duke is, is meant to be the inheritor of this power, being the dominant of the Phoenix. Yeah. And what was interesting is not only did Clive not get accepted by the Phoenix, so he was rejected by it, but he still was yeah. blessed somehow. Yeah. He still yeah, has he, some power, some inner flame within him. With how the that Phoenix, works. But he wasn't accepted as the dominant of the Phoenix. Yeah. And neither was Elwyn his father. Yes, that's I true. I really liked the reveal of that yeah, a little that bit later on between Elwyn and, and Annabella in their scene. But, yeah, I'm, this is something that's still maybe probably to be revealed. They're probably going to work up and build more yeah. uh, you know, explanation behind this. Oh, it
1: sounds like Velhard is saying that Joshua lets him borrow the Phoenix powers. So it's Joshua who blesses oh, Clive with
0: the powers of that's the Phoenix. That's interesting. Um, very did, did you read that Velhart in one of the like active time lore things, or is that something that's been revealed in the game? Or is that just like information given outside of the game by a developer interview or something like that? Um, but that's, that's, that's an interesting point because at the, yeah, the developer, it, developer so said it, said why okay. I don't know it because okay. I didn't read no, wasn't the developer in the game. interviews. <laughs> but, um, Yeah, there's there's a part at the end of the fight, Clive is obviously fatigued, exhausted, injured somehow, and Joshua comes up to him and uses some kind of power... To, like, heal him. To heal him. Right, which is fire power. Yeah. The fire has the power to heal. Yeah. Very interesting. Which is, you know, kind of the duality of the Phoenix itself, the life and the death. Oh, sure, there you go. The power, this fire has the power to heal and to destroy. Yeah. So, um, So that's an interesting point, though, if, you know, that... It's like the power is channeled through Joshua, but he can sort of lend it or borrow, allow the soldiers to borrow. To certain. And maybe not the soldiers, but at least Clive. He seems to be the one soldier who can do this.
1: Yeah, I don't know about
0: Elwyn. Elwyn never gets a chance to fight before he's Uh, brought to an unfortunate end. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, Clive has some level of kind of fire abilities, which come from the blessing of the Phoenix, but he is not the dominant of Phoenix. Um, Also, the name Joshua,
1: it means God is salvation. (coughs) This is good. Joshua was also Jesus' name. So the name Jesus in Hebrew was what we would say Joshua, but yeah, Yeshua or Yehoshua. Um, Jesus and Phoenix obviously have some big parallels, right? The dying and being reborn. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Joshua also wears a crucifix. He has two like crosses kind of on either side of his red clothes yeah of his red clothes um so not all i don't know (laughs) joshua is um whatever happens to him uh we will likely see him again yeah that's what i'm gonna say about that (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) they're they're giving us a lot of hints. uh, a lot of hints to that
0: (laughs) i agree with that um uh also uh, speaking about vagrant story references Mm -hmm. or whatever joshua was the name of the young boy in Vagrant Story, oh. who got kidnapped and brought to uh, to oh, Lamond right? Yeah. Um, of the the son of the Duke. So yeah, maybe, <laughs> that's crazy. Maybe that's and it's the same dev team. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, it's
1: twenty five years. It's probably ten percent of the people are still there from yeah. Vagrant. It's Story. not all the but same, but still. But
0: yeah, this, the 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 <laughs> heritage of this particular business unit, yeah, has its heritage in the development of that game. Very cool. Um, now, I also thought it was interesting that despite the fact that Clive is the firstborn and is not the heir, so he was rejected as the heir because he did not become the dominant, mm. Joshua was accepted yep. and he is the heir as the secondborn. And yeah. generally that would create a lot of jealousy and tension. Yeah, but like they the seem to a keen and able situation. Right? Yeah, but they seem to have a really good relationship. Clive yeah. is very understanding. He's happy to serve as a shield and he loves his brother. And so yep. that was kind of cool. And then they used the mother yeah, character, yeah, she shows Annabella, up. as the one who's creating the animosity yeah. in the family, which I, I kind of liked that dynamic. You don't see it necessarily all that often. Well, maybe mm. you do. I mean, Game of Thrones again with Cersei <laughs> Lannister. But um, in any case, it's like I, I was almost, it was almost to the point where I was confused. Like I, I, I almost couldn't believe that Clive was her biological son. I was like, like I know. That is was Clive difficult. actually yeah. like Elwin's first former wife's ah, child or something? Mm. He doesn't look like her. He looks like him. True. Cause
1: she has the blonde hair that, yes. um, that Joshua has. Joshua
0: has lighter hair. Whereas
1: Clive is more like his father yes. with darker hair.
0: I was like, There's there's no way this woman is the biological mother of Claude. I still almost am holding on to that. But there's a part of me that's like, they're just referring, he refers to her as mother, not your grace. Yep, yep, yep. Right? And he calls his own father your grace, not father. He, like, corrects himself (laughs) there. But he calls her, like, he says something like, uh, good day to you, mother, or something like that. And even Elwyn refers to her as his mother when speaking to Clive so there's a part mm. of me it's like no she's the biological mother she just was always more focused Doesn't on status like always more focused sure. on position yes. that's what she really cares about and so she would even disregard entirely or hate her own son for not living up to that legacy she's just that evil of a person to have no love for the firstborn son who was this failure or whatever yeah. so but there's still a part of me that's like, if they reveal later that she's not the biological mother, that will not surprise not me. Not be bit. pregnant on, <laughs> yeah. I think that's because she point. she she seems, and this is even a stretch at this point, based on what we know about the end, seems to only care about Joshua. Uh, she says as she's walking up there. I think the handmaidens or the you know the servants mm-hmm. around her are like, oh my lady, you know, like something. You shouldn't be shouldn't here. Be here. Uh, yeah, this I, is
1: where the filthy
0: peasants are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she's like, I would uh, brave hell itself to see my darling, my darling boy. boy, my yeah. son Joshua, or whatever, right? Yeah, that's um, foreshadowing, by
1: the way. Yes. So she would brave hell itself to see her darling little boy. I don't feel the weight of those words later no. on when no. <laughs> certain things happen. Um, but that sentence right there, um, she is she is going to have to do something like braving hell itself if she wants to see her darling little boy. Right.
0: So very good. Um. Well, And, and that, well, well, we'll just get into that part of it later. Another reason that could explain why she's not so torn up about it is yeah. knowing what we're guessing at in terms of the <laughs> phoenix rising again. Th- that's but. what phoenixes do. It's what they do. Yes.
1: Now, there, there could be a way where you say, well, the phoenix will die and come back, but it comes back in a different person's body. Yes. Like the phoenix dies and comes back, but the person doesn't. Um, but I just, I think it's Josh, Josh himself, the dominant Josh seems to have that. Power over life and death Um, and the name Josh and Jesus and all the whole stuff. Like I think Josh is coming back. Yes, I do too. Um, Okay. Oh, the name Jill means youth or child of the gods. Yeah. That's the girl's name. Yeah, that's Jill. Mm -hmm. Clive means a cliff or a slope or a precipice.
0: He does look out
1: over a precipice at the beginning of the game. Yes, and Clive seems to symbolize that, that he is, that is his place. On the precipice. He is on the precipice of falling, we'll put it that way.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, and then the dog. I love the dog. Torgol. Torgol. So Torgal, Tor is Thor, actually. So Torgal Mm. means the protection of Thor, the god of thunder. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that dog is going to be involved in fighting 13 years. Hence, (laughs) it is just a puppy now, but it will be full grown and will probably help us out in battle. Yeah. Which is awesome.
0: Yeah. More dogs, please. So, um, yeah, the Duke comes back. He had been gone for a while, riding you know, it on a chocobo. Yep. And um, he tells Clive that uh, war is coming. He kind of, you know, says it only for his ears. Like, yeah. come meet me in the throne room. We need to talk yeah, we'll about talk
1: this. Um, by the way, the impression from Annabella, from the Queen, just not a good person, yes, right? Yes, that just, yeah. Uh, the Duchess and then the impression of the, the, uh, the, the Duke here. Great person. (laughs) seems just awesome. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't, um, want to bemoan flat characters. I think they're fine. Not every character needs to be this rounded, different go against stereotypes. I don't think that that needs to be the case at all, but I don't want to know so immediately. Yeah. Um, this is bad, this guy bad, this girl good, or this girl bad, this guy good. I don't want to know that right away. I would like sometime first, instead of this immediate, like so quickly in so few words, like oh, you're bad. Okay, I gotcha. Okay, put you in bad category. Um, (laughs) And hopefully the game can surprise me. That would be nice. Um, If it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Um, But something rubbed me a little bit wrong about how how obviously a good guy the Duke seemed. Mm -hmm. Right? And... um, how obviously a bad person the queen seemed. Yeah, uh, life tends
0: not to be so absolutely black and white. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, I, I think I feel you on that. Um, mm-hmm. So, there's a scene before Clive gets to the throne room where, and I loved this actually. This is one of the things that stuck out the most to me in all of this sort of. Thirteen years ago, scene Yeah, was as he's making his way there. There's a servant coming down who sort of drops an apple on yep. the ground, and this guy has the same tattoo. Yeah, the slave. I thought that was really effective because yeah. we've already seen this tattoo on Clive yes. later. And it's
1: already been hinted this is for slaves. Yes,
0: and now we see. And it again. so now we see one, and you have a totally different feeling now about yeah. this guy, right? Right, and and what does you know, what is this going to mean for Clive coming up in the story? Right. It's a really nice use of a symbol to sort of foreshadow where this is going but also just like a a mystery about who are these slaves and what does that tattoo even represent and uh, what is their role in the society obviously Mm -hmm. other than being some kind of servant or slave or whatever Um, why the brand why the tattoo what's special about them Yeah. and this is what's coming for the character so like I'm more intrigued by it now that that was a big question that came to my mind it's like okay I want to know more about that
1: um, a thing that I'm always interested in seeing is uh, just the <coughs> the general concept of reciprocity, right? Yeah, you get what you give, you receive, you know. Yeah. And um, the way he treats slaves, knowing now that he is going to become a slave himself, mm. the way seeing the way he treats slaves is uh, well, it's it's nice of your protagonist. You want to yes. see your protagonist acting this way, um, and it does give some kind of hints as to what's coming in the future. Um, his life is going to be something he's going to live the life of a slave for a while. Yeah. But, um, at the very least, you know, when you say what goes around comes around a lot of times people come to this realization, Oh, I shouldn't have been so mean. Um, but because he was good to the slaves, um, he, the slaves may be good to him back. Yes. Um, at some point in the future. Yeah. So there's another foreshadowing element here that it's a good thing that he was, uh, you know, a bit, kinder to the slaves. He had no foresight that he would become one, but we know he will. Yes. And
0: so this is a story element. I think another way to look at that uh, concept too is that even being kind and generous to the slaves is not an excuse for owning slaves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if it was and, his slave or his father's Well I mean slave. this is a this is a system he's born into. Yeah. But what I mean is like the um what do you call it? Uh the, the tolerating or, yes. or, or, or sort of like abiding this system, not being more outspoken about it, not doing more work. Not that he had that much power anyways right. to change it. Um, you know, it's not not going far enough. Like you're going you're going to eventually get the other side of that coin as this noble who lived the privileged life.
1: So in a sense, he could have had a say in possibly abolishing that system, but because he didn't, he now has to live in it.
0: Sure. Now, th- that's Very of course not like perfectly fair because yeah. not only, I mean, he's a noble, but he's a sort of like scorned yeah, uh, son of a duke who was a failure and lost his inheritance. Right. So it's not like he has power at all. He's basically yeah. just one of the soldiers. Yeah. But he just happens to be... The Duke's son, and so he's going to be Joshua's protector. Right. But I would say maybe all of his power at this point is essentially gone. He has yeah. no say in anything. But he would have
1: to convince his dad to do something on his behalf. And
0: he has the ability to do that because his right. dad still loves him. So yes. he has some power, and yet he's not using it to help gotcha. the slaves. He's just nice to them. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Right? Yeah. So that was just one thought that I had. But. Hmm. Um, It wasn't... It's not enough. It's not enough to just be nice. You have to, you know, work to actually help these people. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, So make your way to the throne room. Uh, Do the territories fare any better, he asks. Oh, I guess, uh, first of all, he bows and he continues (laughs) to call his father your grace. Yeah. And this is when he finally says, like... Your mom's not here. She's not here. Like, you don't have to lick my boots anymore. (laughs) Now... This, this in and of itself, this whole line suggests something really interesting. He's the Duke. Yeah. Yet, whatever she has dictated about how Clive should act in the presence of the Duke Super-sedes is what him. Elwyn no. and Clive actually abide by. So she's she has more influence in at least some regard as to the yeah. life Clive lives than yeah. his own father has. You know,
1: this is a well-kept secret from the world, but I'm going to let everyone in on a, <laughs> on a, a well-kept secret. Um, when the queen is the wife of a king, she has more power for to do what she wants. When the queen is not the wife of the king, meaning the queen is now the head of the state, <clears throat> she actually has less, less power. Mm. Because the head of the state needs to... Um, needs to manage the desires and wants of all the other nobles around him yes. and needs to do it properly and can't actually do whatever he
0: wants to do if he wants to stay king much longer yeah exactly
1: it's like exactly if he wants to stay king then he he can't do what he wants he has to do what the nobles want him to do right Uh, at least the majority of them and there's factions and all of that stuff one of them being the queen she will whisper in his ear she'll tell him what to do and he will then have to decide whether or not to take that input just like a lot of the other nobles around him but he won't actually have um much input for his own like what he wants to do yeah the queen has more sway over him over his life than he has over his own life. Yeah. Um but then when the queen becomes the head of the state, she basically loses that power, the power to be kind of in the back seat, to kind of manipulate things from behind, the spokesperson from behind the figurehead and to not be seen as responsible. Um, In the end, but when the queen becomes the head, now it's the queen's job to manage all of the nobles and all of the keys and what everybody else wants and doesn't want. And just to try to quell rebellions and pick factions and all of that stuff doesn't actually get to do what she wants to do. Um, So (coughs) there's a way of looking at this, specifically this event, which is a very good representation of it, where the queen... Has that sway over the duke, and the duke is merely trying to manage the different people who have sway over him in yeah. different ways. Yeah. Um, and then the queen is, or the the duchess is one of those uh, nobles that's trying to get him to do certain things. And he'll make concessions, and he'll do certain things, conceding to the people around him. The duchess being one of them. Okay, so that is a sort of secret about part of the way that the world <laughs> works um, that uh, is not often talked about. But you you typically don't want to be the figurehead in charge of everything. It would be much better to be the secret
0: power behind the figurehead for when things go wrong. Yeah. The one pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, I mean, you bring up a good point, particularly with arranged marriages, which were almost always done for the sake of alliances. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Elwyn, as he says later in the scene with her, his father, I think was the last dominant before Joshua. And he did not inherit that power. <laughs> yeah, and so he considers <coughs> himself really uh, only uh, uh, warming the seat. Because He's warming the seat. He for wouldn't Joshua. have been the duke at all had his father not died early, like right. died before his time. But this
1: brings up a question: So he didn't have the power of the phoenix, but he could pass it down still.
0: I guess seems. so. It's it's in the blood somehow, but yeah. the phoenix chooses huh. a, uh, somehow okay. who to select. And and Clive was rejected, and Elwin was uh, rejected, but Elwin's a sick name, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Joshua was accepted. So, uh, obviously, he is trying his acceptance or tolerate tolerating of uh, his tolerance of Annabella is probably in service to whatever alliance that marriage formed, yeah. and if he like. Just doesn't listen to her, doesn't take her input, doesn't yep. do what she wants that would cause problems that this alliance created.
1: It, the alliance was there for a reason. It's not just like, oh, we're connected now. King, King keep doing whatever you were going to do. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's like, no, the alliance is connected. Therefore, King, you have to do certain things.
0: Yes. Yeah. So that could explain why you know, he allows her to treat him this way, yeah. allows her to treat Clive this way, even though he doesn't like it. Right. and why they both in her presence will abide by whatever rules or etiquette that yeah. Clive is supposed to have in the, the presence of the Duke and Duchess. So, um, Anyway, Clive asks him, do the territories fare any better? And the response from Ellen, most lie under a pall of black. In these few, mo- uh, these few moons, the blight has taken nigh on all the northern t- reaches. It is only a matter of time before it crosses the border. So there is some kind of blight, a some blight, kind of
1: a plague, plague yeah. blight
0: that is coming from the north yep. and sort of like expanding. And they've been keeping watch on this from the border, hmm. but it's getting to the point where it's it's now crossing. It's only a matter of time before this is yeah. going to infect our realm as well now this creates a huge problem because as he goes on to talk about nearly every available bed in the capital is already occupied by those fleeing the deadlands even if we were to send them south to port Isolde, more would only follow in their wake every day we delay brings us closer to disaster we must move now okay so move where like how are you going to solve this problem answer comes from clive against the iron kingdom and so there's a moment of heaviness. There's a pause. There's a beat there after mm. that. As he's making the right implication. We're going to war, yeah. not for any other reason than self-preservation. It's like preemptive. Almost. Yes, yeah. because this blight is coming. Yeah. And we need something to deal with that. And it doesn't belong to us. <laughs> mm. It belongs to this iron kingdom. And it is the the crystal, this mother crystal. Right? Yeah. Both kingdoms are sort of claiming the territory in which it belongs to, and now they're going, they've been trading blows, they've been doing maybe, uh, you know, smaller scale wars against each other, but now uh, this is gonna be a big one. This is gonna be a bigger war, Clive says later, than even the one that came before, right, over uh, the possession of this mother crystal, which is necessary, it seems, to uh, dealing with this problem of the blight. So Murdoch says in response to this, we've traded blows with them for too long, it's time to end it. Alwyn says, at the very least, we must secure Drake's Breath. I think that's the name of the Mother Crystal in question here Drake's Breath. Without the blessing of the Mother Crystal, we cannot defend our realm from the spread of the blight. In fact, Somebody who knows what Drake's breath is, make sure that I'm not wrong about that. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what it is in
1: the game, but Drake would be the name of a dragon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Dragon's breath. Right. So is, is Drake's breath the crystal itself or some sort of artifact, which you can channel the power of the crystal. I'm not sure exactly what Drake's breath is, but that's what they're, they need to go get from the iron, the iron bloods. Um, we cannot defend our realm against the spread of the blight. Clive says, the Iron Blood will not relinquish it easily. This will be a bitter fight. Alwyn mm. says, we ride for Phoenix Gate tomorrow. There we will listen to the words of our ancestors as tradition dictates. Anytime <laughs> there's a tradition to follow uh, some sort of like uh, ancestral um, mm. right or something like that, uh, something's gonna go wrong there. The people are going to know yeah, it's almost the problem with doing it. It's like before we go into battle, we have to go here and pray to our. But gods, everyone knows. But you're everyone do that. knows that's your tradition, so they know exactly where you're going, <laughs> and they're going to meet you there and like, yeah. you know, ruin it. So it's like you can Oracle. see this coming. Yeah. That's um. It. Anyway, Clive says, "Am I to go with you as Joshua's shield?" Elwin says, "There's something else I need you to do first. Rodney, which is the first name of Murdoch, go explain it. So there's been reports of. Beastmen, Some goblins, goblins and monsters and things like that uh, being sighted, uh, approaching south along with the blight towards the borders, right? Yeah. Um, and and Clive's like, oh, the rumors of goblins and Stillwind marshes. I I've heard those rumors. Um, then you know what must be done. I will give you two good men. While we ride north tomorrow, you'll journey to Stillwind, search it and clear it. Then you will join us in Phoenix Gate. So we have to go investigate this old abandoned village of Stillwind, and uh, see whether or not you know it's been infested by beastmen and goblins and monsters and if they're there you gotta take them out and then come join us and then uh, El- Elwin sort of calls him up and-, and says almost just for his ears alone it's time to prove your strength and shut your mother up
1: for Yeah. Good. <laughs> it sounded like Murdoch heard
0: that a little bit cause yeah, he, he kind of gives kinda a smile as he's walking away yeah area. I'll do my duty, Your Grace, says Clive. And so that's kind of the end of that scene. Uh, he, he's supposed to go rest for the next day. Um, now, there's a couple of things to read here just so that we can okay. get familiar with some of the uh, terminology. Um, I don't think I need to read about Ellen Rossfield, but Rossfield is the surname of this house. Rossfield. Yeah. That are the Dukes of Rosaria, right? father of Clive and Joshua, loved by the people for his steadfast leadership, both at home and on the battlefield, which he put to good effort in quelling the rebellious northern territories. Of course. So. This is so English, yeah. by the way. Yep. So
1: English. Like King Arthur, it was always
0: the north. It was, it was always, always the, the monsters north. came from the north. Always the giants the north. came from the north. In, in Game of Thrones, the, the freaking Nightwalkers come from the north. Of course. The Northmen are the, always the freaking yes. bad guys. <laughs> um, okay, so then the Grand Duchy of Rosaria a nation occupying the Western reaches of the continent of Storm, with Rosalith as its capital, which is the castle that they're at right now, the city that they're at. Rosaria was originally formed from a collection of smaller dominions, all of which now stand united under the banner of Archduke Elwin Rossfield. Not possessing a mother crystal of its own, the duchy has long been locked in bitter conflict with the Iron Kingdom over possession of Drake's breath which lies still further to the west in the midst of the Boiling Sea. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the Mother Crystal itself. So Mm. there's this Mother Crystal out in the ocean.
2: Mm.
0: And they don't have their own Mother Crystal in their territory. This territory where in the ocean where this Mother Crystal is at is contested between uh, Rosaria and the Iron Kingdom. Uh, This passage about Mother Crystals, enormous glassy mountains five of which tower over the lands of Valisthea. they are the source of all the crystals that the people of the twins rely on in their everyday lives we've seen that a couple times now where like that one guy brought up a like a water crystal and put it over the goblet and water like filled up the goblet these crystals that the people use are i would guess mined or sourced from From the the giant mountain mountain mother crystals now i really like this concept uh, because one of the one of my favorite pieces of trivia for the Final Fantasy series I will be bringing this up again on Tuesday <laughs> um, is that the mountains in the first Final Fantasy game they're all white yeah, they're not like brown in color like normal mountains yeah. and this wasn't one of those like limitations you can only have a certain number of colors you know this is an 8-bit console type of thing yeah. it was purposeful because as they put, kind of their black lines through the mountains. What this would do on a uh, a CRT TV is it would sort of create this like bleed effect of color. And you'd get these pinks and blues that would sort of come through the CRT from that white. And the whole point of that was to give this effect, which they could not create otherwise, (laughs) um, of it being crystalline mountains. Yeah. that had like these, you know, this refraction of light and these glinting different colors coming through them. And so here we've got literal mountains, which are the mother crystals. Yeah. And this is the image that we have. That's so cool. Kind of back, yeah, back here. here, there's this giant crystal. Behind, behind the behind castle. The big the big yeah. castle there. So um, I kind of like that as sort of a callback to the original Final Fantasy, that they, they have these crystal mountains and that the source of, all the world's magic kind of comes from these things and everybody relies on them um, basically to survive. Yep, it was a gift gift from the gods or a curse from the gods. Yes, right, which was kind of what the intro text was hinting at a little bit there, which we touched on. Uh, So we got this other one, the Iron Kingdom, also known in the local tongue as Heron, Heron? The Iron Kingdom is an archipelago nation situated off the west coast of Storm, with its capital in Craig Lo- Loigst. <laughs> the mother Crystal Drake's breath rises from a volcanic island situated just within or without its borders, depending on <laughs> who you ask, and has been the object of longstanding conflict between the Iron Blood and the neighboring Duchy of Rosaria. The Iron Kingdom's inhabitants shun any contact with any contact with outsiders, which has given rise to a unique, if largely inward-looking culture. Um, so it was interesting that also in the first scene when the Iron Blood are fighting against the Republic, mm. um, one of the guys, again, with Clyde, talks about them as if they're more beast than, than man. Ooh, yeah. Right, so they're, they're a very, um, what'd you call it, uh, isolated, uh, almost secretive sort of culture. Mm. They don't... Uh, associate with any of the others of the mainland, and so there's some mystery surrounding them, but they definitely don't want anyone messing with their mother, Crystal. <laughs> so that's what's about to happen. Uh, is about to declare war and just go take this thing by force because yeah. if they don't, the Blight's going to overrun their duchy and kill everybody. So that's kind of the Situation we find ourselves in here. So I don't have a lot to say about the next section. Well, I guess there's a couple scenes first. We have the scene with uh, Elwyn and Annabella.
1: Yes, I um, only have uh, one thing to say about that one. Okay, go for it. This was good stuff. So basically she's trying to like talk to him about how, like why do you like Clive so much? Like it's not a big deal. And this yeah. is where he reveals that I don't have any, you know, um, I'm not a dominant that I'm merely a steward for the seat for, mm. for Joshua for when he gets old enough, then right. I will step down because whoever, um, <coughs> whoever controls the Phoenix is the real ruler of the kingdom. Um, but then he says this to her because she doesn't want him to take Joshua yes. uh, with him to the Phoenix gate. Right. Cause she knows what's going to happen. She's planning something. <laughs> she knows what's going to happen. She doesn't try that hard to stop him, but she does ask politely, Hey, yeah. don't do this. And he's like, no, I'm going to, and she's like really mad at him. Um, but what he says to her is very interesting yeah especially given what i said about joshua being basically like a jesus type character he says you can't keep him in swaddling clothes all yeah, his life yeah swaddling clothes right I, I
0: did take note of that it was like that's yeah. the only other place i have heard that swaddling is in clothes in the bible yeah yeah it's basically it
1: <laughs> <coughs> like that doesn't mean that it can't ever reference anything else but the the um, You know, it's kind of stacking up here. They're definitely setting us up for something. Um, That this woman, Annabella, is keeping Joshua uh, coddled in swaddling clothes. Something important we probably should have mentioned uh, at this point, too, is that Joshua is not well. He's sick. Yes. Uh, He coughs a lot, like me. Um, (laughs) He's got all sorts of issues. um, And I don't know. They didn't say what is wrong with him. Yes. But he's sick, and it's not just a cold. Yes. Like, he's got something deeper, more serious wrong with him. Right. Um, Which is interesting, given that he has the power to heal. Yeah. Um, but he can't, he doesn't seem capable of healing himself. Yes. Or willing to heal himself. I don't know what it is. Um, but that. those are my notes from this conversation, yeah. basically. She kind of, you know, tries to seduce him a little bit and get him to do what she wants. He's standing fast and saying, no, I'm not going to do what you want. Um, and then it cuts with a shot on her, like with a really bad guy face <laughs> on. And
0: uh, then it fades, you know. Yeah. Clearly, this is not a marriage of love. Nope. Um, It was one of duty, one of alliance between two different houses. Yeah. Um, But I did like that line a lot because she's talking about Clive, how he's this failure. Yeah. um, And how he's just a man like any other. And the response to that was, as am I as am I and right. she goes
1: no you're the deal yeah. you're powerful you're <laughs> yeah.
0: important and he's like so freaking what the only reason I am yeah. is because my dad died too early otherwise he would still be here right yeah. now and <laughs> you know like and Joshua would be the heir not me right. i would they would have skipped me and gone straight to Joshua which she wants because a queen would have more
1: Well, a mother would have more sway over her son than her husband i don't know if that's totally true um but in this case it's definitely true yes (laughs) she does not seem to have much sway over um over the king uh, the duke um but she would try her chances with with um with joshua and she would probably have a a much greater sway over joshua than she does over the current king which is why she kind of makes a little plan and decides to do some things yes
0: so it was a good scene, um, and then the next scene is between Clive and Jill. So she comes to see him, and this is where you get a ton of really, quite obviously framed shots of that moon with, yes. the, with the red star there. Yeah, this was like a good there's combo. there's a there's a an arc, kind of uh, you know leading into the castle. So you're looking through that arc, and the moon yep. is just perfectly framed perfectly right there framed. at yeah. the top as they're sort of talking. <gasps> this is done for a reason. This is yeah. this thing. They, they, they're like look at that that's important <laughs> it is a full moon and it is yeah. it is
1: clearly important yeah. uh, the, the moon will feature throughout this game I've uh, in the yeah. other part of the demo you see the crescent moon uh, very uh, very conveniently framed as well yeah uh, but it's a crescent this time so yeah. they're definitely they're, they're saying stuff about the when they show the moon in that in that way yeah. um, it's telling you something
0: about the character yeah there's there's some sort of symbol there that's important for the story yeah. and that red that red star is going to be important. Yes. Um and this is where she calls it. She calls it out Metea. Right. Yeah, Metea. Which sounds a lot like meteor. Sure does. Right? Sounds like a, a someone from <laughs> Brooklyn. It's
1: a, the med the media. The media.
0: <laughs> so anyway, um she comes out, you know, are you wishing on a star? He's like, oh, I'm too old for that, don't you think? The which is dumb by the way. <laughs> don't don't listen to it. he's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, 15-year-olds do feel this way. They right? do. They do. Uh, but
1: it is no small thing to wish upon a star. It's not. Stupid.
0: You know, they're having a little bit of back and forth. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, Joshua Shield. And, you yeah. know, this cool, my dad gave me my first uh, command. Like, this is great. This is cool. Yeah. And she's worried. You know, she's yeah. really worried about this. Uh, something doesn't feel so, right. Then she prays for him. Yeah, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll pray to yeah. Metia for you. right? Um and and this is where he mentions that this war is going to be bigger than the last one there's a little bit of a feel to this to uh like return of the king with gandalf and pippin sort of uh, like the like the the calm before the storm type Ah, of scene, right yeah where uh they're kind of looking out at the the clouds that are coming and the war is coming but like it's not happening quite yet and there's just all the board is set the pieces are moving yes right um so you know she's feeling this way she's feeling a sense of foreboding she's feeling like you know something could go really wrong and you know he's talking about this war is going to be bigger than the last one but you'll be okay right like you have the blessing of the phoenix he doesn't really know how to respond to that it starts getting cold and he sort of reaches out as if he's going to like kind of pull her in to keep her warm but then he thinks better of it because at least in
1: part they're talking about war and she's like a war's coming isn't it and and war never ends, does it? No, it doesn't ever end. Oh, and this one's going to be worse than the last one. And like, just the the cycle. They're like yes. caught in the cycle. Where he had mentioned, I thought the last war we fought was going to be the last war to yes. be fought. Yes, And everyone thinks that. Yes, um, everyone and always it's, thinks that. And it's never true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're just kind of, you know, as as teenagers, they're just learning, this is how the world works. Yep. And it sucks.
0: Exactly. Uh, and then the next day, they're setting out... Um, We get introduced to the two soldiers who will be accompanying Clive, and their names are Wade and Tyler. Tyler. And uh, this is too obvious a thing for the developers to have not thought of it. Biggs. But yes. (laughs) Everyone's like, why are they not called Biggs and Wedge? Biggs and Wedge. I don't know why. Clearly there was a, a, a purposeful choice to not do that, because it is literally too obvious. Wade is almost Wedge. Almost. But Tyler's, Tyler's a not even close. bit too, too different. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, you kind of think like uh, this would be the right opportunity. Th- these are exactly the character types that would be named Big and Wedge yep. in a classic Final Fantasy in game. A classic Maybe there's going to be they other done characters a... later. Yeah, because okay. there's Im- more important characters in Final Fantasy 14 named Bigs and Wedges. They're not like part of your group at the beginning that just died, like characters. the old yeah, yeah. games were yeah, yeah. they're like more important so maybe they're saving mm. more important characters to call Biggs and Wedge later well, I'll I don't tell you know. what
1: there is a Sid in this game and yes. so they are definitely it's
0: not like they're abandoning the reuse of old names no so but yeah it did puzzle me at first yeah. like Wade and Tyler there's no way <laughs> they're called there's no way you did that <laughs> The obvious choice was big as much, but they didn't Can't believe it. it, can't believe it. But, um, yeah, they're going to come with you. And so I don't have too many yep. notes. No, for the goblins the next and section, the morble. It's kind can... of just more gameplay tutorial. Yeah. It's more, uh, you know, just introducing the blight a little bit further. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they're what they were surprised, really surprised to find. I mean, they're surprised goblins are there in the first place. <laughs> what they're really surprised to find is the morble, the monster that they find there. That, that yeah. was a huge surprise to them. Those and things it's aren't like, supposed to be this far south. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, as he turns away after they've slain it, uh, you know, Clive sort of whispers under his breath, like, damned blight. Like, this is way worse than I thought it was. Yes. And it's sort of, again, hitting home on the imperative nature that they get this Drake's breath mother crystal. Yeah. Like. It, it's now or never kind of a thing like right. they they feel their hand is being forced to go take this thing to so go to war um, and that is war war is
1: often the result of scarcity yeah. do you think that in economic terms yeah right so Re- the fight this over is no difference. yeah limited resources well you've got to take what's yours exactly um, okay the overworld looks sweet by the way I like it a lot there's yeah. like a big footprint it looks like a footprint yeah the way the water the lakes kind of show mm-hmm. up. Uh, But, yeah, it looks nice. We kind of talked about that in our, um, well, a couple months ago we did a video. Yeah. They showed this. It's got that feel of, like, being a
0: little miniature. Yeah. Yeah, it looks nice. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it looks pretty cool, too. Um, So now we get to Phoenix Gate. Yep. Um, And as far as, like, describing what happens in the scene, everybody's drinking and making merry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which is songs. cool. I
1: love the songs. I did like they it, almost yeah. sound like hymns, like the yeah. way that they're singing it and the way mm-hmm. that they're it's praises to the Phoenix and to the King and yeah. they've got their beer and it feels very English. Like it's yeah. got a very English feel
0: to it. I yeah. love it. And uh, you know, way stories. um talking about how Clive slew the Morgul the yeah. Morble and uh, the thousands of eyes and yes. just exaggerating it like beyond <laughs> belief, right? It's so good and uh <laughs> It's interesting that Clive does not join them for this yeah, yeah, he party. Away. He stays away from it. And th- they they mention that. I think Murdoch is talking with Tyler, who is saying, like, oh, you know, how does it feel to see your people, you know, succeed in something like this? It's, oh, it's great. If only he would, you know, deign to join us one yeah. of these days. <laughs> yep. Right. So Clive is recluse. He doesn't really make friends among the company Yeah. He, sticks to himself. Um and I guess you could see why. You know, his whole life is sort of framed as this failure. Right. And he wants to do his duty. He wants to protect his brother. He loves his brother, but he just feels like he doesn't belong where he's yeah. been placed. Um but he also doesn't belong among his noble family. He's just, he's kind Uncommon, of caught yeah, in between two places he doesn't feel yeah. like he belongs in either one. Yep. And so he just isolates himself. And I I really kind of, you know, could feel that. Yeah. That's um true. So Joshua is speaking with Elwin. And I loved this question that he asks, right? So Elwin is like, yeah. are you not feeling well? Like, what's the problem? He's like, no, you know, I'm fine. I'm just kind of tired. You know, like, Dad, uh, why are we the only ones that get to be yeah. dominance? That doesn't seem fair. Right. <laughs> and I love his avoidance of that question. Yeah. His attempt to answer it is to not answer The real question, which is, it's not fair that only our family gets to have this power.
1: Well, I actually, so that's how it was read initially. Yeah. But as the king begins to answer the question, I kind of started to see it in a different way. Yes. Which is, why are we the ones that are cursed with the mm. dominant. I kind of, because I, I had that same reading at first, um, but as they discuss it and as he's looking really upset, it seems like he's not happy to be the dominant. Yeah, he's not. In which case, when he's saying it's unfair that our family is the dominant, why do we have to be the dominants? What he, he's really asking is, why do I have to be the dominant? Yeah, I don't want to be, it's not fair. Why can't we share the responsibility with other families, other people? That's why does it have to be us?
0: Well, and because that's his answer. His answer is, mm. we do share it, and uh, apparently, oh, right. according to uh, what Velha was saying earlier, he does share the power of the Phoenix with yes. his brother. Yes, with his brother, and he, so it's their responsibility to um, channel that power and share yeah. it with the people of Rosario. Right?
1: So, in that case, it's through that response that I slowly started to realize maybe yeah. it's, the it's question the was a little around. bit different. Yeah. yeah, but it can be read both ways. Yeah. So because as we've said before it is a blessing and a curse it yeah, is both
0: oh for sure so you can read that both ways all responsibility and yes. power comes it's true with that it can fame like to any degree you know people seek it and then when they when they get that it's like you lose yep. your privacy you lose oh gosh. like there's all kinds of things you can't do anymore that yeah, normal totally. people can do yeah. so there is a burden that comes with yep. it right um, there's definitely two sides of that coin but Anyway, he kind of Elwin kind of gets up to go sing with the men and join with yeah. them in their every, and then Joshua slips out and goes and talks with Clive. So we get another kind of good scene between them, and uh, I really liked the way that Clive expressed his jealousy. Right? Yeah. He 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 says, "I'm jealous of you," right. but not in like a malicious, like "oh, it's not fair" kind of way, yeah. but just in a I just envy that, you know, the people really believe in you the way that they do, and they don't mm-hmm. believe in me. And Joshua turns that around in this really, really nice way. It's like, yeah. they don't believe in me. The men actually like you, they're singing your praises in there, yeah. right? And he mentioned this to his father earlier. They really like Clive, don't they? Yeah. I don't think Joshua feels like people like Like him. him. Yeah. They just sort of fear and respect. The power of the dominant, not Joshua the person.
1: Yes, yeah. Whereas Clive is free from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Clive, they actually like him. They're in there telling stories about him and how cool he was when he killed that marble. That's true. And and that's what Joshua envies.
1: See, and that's so funny. So they both envy the different aspects to each other. And and this kind of gives credence to the previous reading that I'd mentioned before about how it's unfair. Joshua wishes that Clive was the one who got the phoenix. Yes, yes. He doesn't like it that he's the one who gets it. It's weird. He's the second born. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. Mm It doesn't seem to like make sense to him, but that's how it is. And he kind of wishes that Clive could have that so that he could maybe just kind of like be a normal
0: person. He doesn't feel like he has connections with people the way Mm -hmm. that Clive does. So that's one downside. (sighs) He doesn't feel like he has the strength to lead the way that he sees Clive's strength. And his brother has lived a, a, a scorned life, and he doesn't like to see that because yeah. he loves his brother. So all of these things are downsides. That's Why so couldn't it have been you? It yeah. should have been you. It doesn't make any sense that it was me. Yeah. And and so he has a lot of lines in this as he expresses that, that I I really liked a way of sort of turning it around because you, you you're sitting there feeling bad for Clive and his situation, but it's like Joshua's is not necessarily better. Yeah. In some ways, totally. it may even be worse.
1: It's all it's a. <laughs> I mean, it's a similar thing to what I was saying about the king-queen relationship, right? Yeah. Like, w- w- what would it be better? To be the dominant itself or to be kind of like the person next to the dominant? Yes. <laughs> like, and, and Joshua, of course, Clive is like, oh, I'd rather be the dominant. But as the dominant, Joshua is like, no freaking thank you, please. Yeah. Like, somebody else should do this. It's yeah. way too much on me I'd much rather be the friend of the dominant or the brother of the dominant than the dominant himself right. there's there's just too much there it's it's like his agency is gone mm-hmm. and this is it, this is how a lot of the like this is probably how the duke feels this is probably how the king or the emperor or any of these people feel they don't have that agency that they thought they would have yeah. like or a celebrity as you were talking yeah. about you think that that comes with all of this um, agency, like they can do whatever they want. It's like no, they freaking can't. They can't. They have too many things to manage, and they can't. If they want to maintain their position, they can't. They actually have less agency um, than just a regular peasant.
0: This this goes back to what we're talking about in the Near Automata uh, podcast about it's better to live in moderate poverty.
1: Moderate, blessed be moderate poverty. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: right. Like that's actually. <laughs> When all said and done, like the the more favorable position in which to live your life, because you think you want all of these things that come with fame and wealth. Right. But there's too much to lose when you get that. And then protecting that or protecting the people in your life whom you're now responsible to take care of because you have this wealth or this power or this fame or whatever. It, it just leads to it's the whole no more money more problems yes. proverb i guess right yeah. like it's, it's it's exactly the case like it, it comes with a whole new set of responsibilities of pressure of uh and you lose a lot of your agency yeah. you lose a lot of your freedom and so you know a lot of people still say well i'll take the money but like a lot of you people in a tough spot would say that you don't but you just don't understand people it who win the lottery it often <laughs> ruins their life. well yeah that now it's like oh crap yeah. like, I gotta make sure that like nobody knows I won this money Like, well this is... <laughs> that would be the smart thing to do most yeah. people are like true, I gotta is.
1: tell everyone <laughs> that I won and that's, that's what shoots them in the foot yeah
0: and it leads to all kinds of problems so yeah. anyway it, it's, a, it's a good scene between them Joshua leaves to go rest and this is where everything turns around um, so we have a scene where a cart kind of comes up well, you took your time, didn't you, with yeah. the supplies and, and it's, you can see it coming wine. from a mile away. Yes. And and it, it makes yeah. you question a lot of things. First of all, yeah. why are there like two people like watching the gate? Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> and yeah. everyone else is just like drinking. <laughs> getting... It was way too easy for them to get into way that too keep. Easy. It was way, way too, too easy. easy. Yeah. Way too freaking easy.
1: Now, that being said, they also had infiltrated the ranks of people ahead of time. Yeah. They had people on the inside. Right. It presumably could have or should have been even easier than this actually sure. because they could have had their inside people kind of take care of that right but instead they did uh, the oldest trick in the book and it worked yeah this is uh, anyway yeah, yeah it's yeah you're right Convenient. like they, they
0: have the you know the armor of the Rosarian it would have been better and-
1: if they had their infiltrators open the gate, yeah. then to do it the way then they Then did to, it. to
0: slit the throats of the dudes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We put our agents in position to open the gate. There you go. I would have liked that. That's a great better. point. I yeah. would have liked that way better. Much better. better.
1: <laughs> Instead, it's like, oh, we like our wine so much that we're willing to like, even though it's a night delivery and I can't see your face and I don't know right. who you are and my torchlight <laughs> doesn't reveal much, it's wine, you know. We're yeah. we're thirsty. Like we want to drink. Let's uh, yeah. you know. Let's have a party. Yeah. Bring in the wine, right? Yeah. Now, in some ways, I can see that some people get excited about their wine. Uh, and that's another thing that wasn't brought up um, that we didn't bring up, but that Clive he he doesn't. He says cakes and ale are not. Uh, I have no. I've never taken to. Yeah, I've never taken to cakes like and that. ale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so right. Clive doesn't drink. He's not a no. drinker. But everyone no. else is a huge drinker, oh, yeah. right? Uh, but Clive kind of you know prefers to avoid that. Yeah. Um, and you can see that a little bit here. Uh, but I still would have preferred it uh, to have gone a different way. Right. But
0: I, I like your idea though of just they've infiltrated them to the point where the dudes watching the gate are just yeah. their own inside guys. It I like that been. way. Better.
1: It w- <coughs> it may have tipped their hand a little bit early to that because that's a reveal that happens yeah. later. Uh, but there's a way they could have they could've sure. gotten around that. I agree with that.
0: Uh, but they get in. Uh, all hell breaks loose. Yep. A bunch of uh, uh, soldiers from the Empire arrive and start slaughtering people. You kind of take over Joshua's point of view now at this point. So you're playing as Joshua as Wade comes in and says, oh, like you're great. So, like, we got to get you out of here. And so he's got some fire abilities and magic and stuff. But yeah, it, it takes a lot out of him. Like, clearly, yeah, it like it, he has to like recover for a second after he yeah. used a spell. And so, there's some whatever his illness is that he's got, it's like really affecting him. But, but
1: he's he's powerful too,
0: yeah. So, they make their way, they finally meet up with Ellen and Clive. Everyone comes back together. It's like, okay, yeah. you guys head over there. We'll, you know, they're about chocobo- to the stables. Like, um, this I don't know who was supposed to meet them there, and then you get out, and then I'll hold the enemy here while you make yeah. your escape. And Joshua no no you got to come with us like I can't just leave you here and like no this is my duty like you were saying earlier to die for uh, yes for as a shield of that's his whole dominant right? that's his whole purpose of he's life. Yeah. ready to fulfill that yeah um, so you break away from them. Uh, Elwin and uh, Joshua who go to the stables. You take over as Clive for a while. There's an awesome boss fight here against a dragoon, yeah, one of the cool. imperial dragoons. I loved that shot yeah. where it just sort of like, you, you take out like a bunch of soldiers and then it kind of pulls up as he's just, like, standing like, with one foot. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's that classic <laughs> pose, though, yeah, yeah, from the Final Fantasy IV logo. Oh, where yeah. Where Kane, who is the dragoon right, of that game, spear, right? with the spear, and he's yeah. standing on one foot. It's that's the same cool, that's cool. pose. So it's a callback to that.
1: It reminded me also, um, I can't remember what they're called, the Knights of the Zodiac in FF12? Yes. You kind yes. of a similar thing, just, right. you've got, just the way he's dressed, mostly. Right. But the, the dragoon kind of look and the...
0: Yeah. yeah, the empire. The empire yes. in Final Fantasy XIV also has that same. They all have those oh, masks, really? like the judges. Oh, the judges. That's 12. who I'm thinking of. The judges. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they've got a similar look to them. But so you're doing this battle, and then there's a couple of things that happen here. There's some like headaches that are bothering Clive, and he looks out and he sees a robed person. Yeah. Someone with like a hood on. That's right. Right, and he's like, oh, what's going on? But he's, he didn't really see that person, right? I that's I don't know. So, Clive, you know, he, he he's having some kind of like pain headache. He sort of like passes out almost a little bit when he when he sees this. Uh, this is a very square, soft, square Enix sort of thing. Oh yeah. W- whether it's Kingdom Hearts or whether it's Final Fantasy X, <gasps> or the there's FF7 like the Remix. hooded guy, <laughs> right? Kingdom Hearts who, yeah, who, yeah, who like yeah. the aunt, the the protagonist sees. And it's like, oh, who are you? And he's like this mysterious And then person. he kind of <laughs> disappears. Yeah. And he disappears. Yeah. This is very much a, a, a square thing. But I got the feeling
1: that he didn't actually see this actual person. Because as soon yeah. as he's like, on oh, my head. And then he doesn't look back. He just. Yeah. Anyways, it's just kind of like
0: the, the guy's gone. But then when he feels the pain later and he starts the transformation into Ifrit, he sees a figure of like a, a silhouette of a fire being.
1: Yes, which I took to be this same
0: I thought guy. it was the same guy, but, but I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know if that's a case. So I have no idea what to make of this hooded guy or this fiery figure that he sees before mm-hmm. the transformation happens. I was also very pleasantly surprised by the end of this scene, where it seemed to me that Clive was not in the body of Ifrit. But in the perspective of Torgal watching Ifrit tear Phoenix apart. Um, So that brought up a whole new question to me. The
1: perspectives
0: confused me for sure. It it brought, it almost is like this, this being took Clive's body and Clive went into Torgal or something and then used Clive's body to become Ifrit to kill Phoenix but I have no idea if that's like the right way to interpret what's going on here. It was very confusing yeah. because it seemed clear to me. Clive became Ifrit. I've seen the commercials. He calls Ifrit. He's the dominant yes. of Ifrit, according to everything I knew yes, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. into this. Yeah. But then why is he fighting and trying to kill Joshua? Well, it doesn't make sense. Other than he's lost, he control. lost control.
1: But he had control enough to fight. But he's literally screaming. To stop. As if he's a third-person perspective. You, you're see, right. you see it. Yeah, you're it, right. it,
0: you Like, it's a first-person perspective, and he says something about Torgel beforehand, too. Let's see if I can Ooh. pull this up. Oh, so here it, here it is. He's, like, beating the fetch out of him, right? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And, and then it goes black. And then you hear... In fact, I don't hear anything, but you hear him saying, No, stop, Torgal. See the question, Torgal. And then you mm. see... The eyes of a dog, it's like the colors are not.
1: You're right. Oh, I didn't think about that. dogs don't have the
0: same color spectrum yeah, as humans do. So the, they, they see ooh, less colors than we do. So in this first person perspective where he sees Phoenix being picked up by Ifrit and like pounded on and throat torn out and all yeah, this stuff, yeah, yeah. the perspective is a dog's eyes. And it's it, Clive is seeing through Torgel. This what could threw that mean? a huge wrench into like the, the this whole thing As, now it's just a mystery I, just, I have no idea <laughs> but clearly I okay originally I thought clearly Clive was in ifrit's body doing this to his killing yeah. his brother yeah. and screaming no stop but it's like I don't think that's happening I think it's almost like Clive was ejected from his body And this other being kind of took over Torgal went into Torgal and watched whoever took over his body became ifrit and Killed Phoenix.
1: Well, you thought uh, further along those lines than I did. I was just I shocked know. enough to find out <laughs> that he was Ifrit. Um, yeah. But the Torgol thing—that's crazy. I don't I know. I thought he was just that. in this weird state of mind, and that's why everything looked weird. Yeah. That it was like a dream-like state almost, and he was like, "No, no, no." But if he was in Torgol, that means somebody has the power. To take over the dominance. Somebody has the yes. power to eject a spirit from a body and or then something. inhabit that body and use the power of that body while the spirit can do nothing but watch. Yeah. That's, uh, something like that seems
0: to be going yeah. on here. Because
1: now, How did that person who ejected him know that he had Ifrit? He didn't even know that he had the power of Ifrit, right? Yeah,
0: right. That's another Someone mystery. Someone
1: else knew what he didn't even know yes. himself.
0: Yes, that he's the dominant of a second icon of fire, which is not supposed to exist at all. Is he
1: really the son of Annabelle and the Duke? Don't know. I wonder if he, uh, (laughs) because that would be a way that someone can know, is like, oh, we know whose kid he really is. And it's the Ifrit dominance throne. Yeah. Uh Mix
0: brings up a good point Mix in the comments here warging which is an ability in Game of Thrones where you project, project bodies. into no you project into an animal
1: Oh okay uh
0: huh. into a wolf or into a bird or oh, something cool. like that and you can go around like seeing things around you know spying on people or whatever um so you know could have been influenced by that I don't know but uh point is the big reveals here he's like oh you know like not now you got to go protect him you got to save uh, oh, because we skipped over that whole part. The guys who come up to help <laughs> Ellen and Joshua guys. escape are yep. inside guys, yep, and, and they basically just like kill his chocobo, and they're like, "We can't let you leave." Yeah, and he's telling Joshua, "Okay, Joshua, like run away, like get away." And as he's turned his head to like tell his son to run away, he's approached and just he's taken killed. off guard. Very fast, bam, just like beheaded right yeah, there. Yeah, that was all crazy. the blood sprays onto joshua's face
1: oh elwyn before this too elwyn muttered some six spell oh wait a second this is interesting elwyn um muttered a spell to an owl oh yeah sent the owl like to a the messenger castle. or something but now that we're talking about yeah you know animals and whatnot warging yeah warging <laughs> um he seemed to be able to convey a message to the owl Pretty quickly although he didn't seem to inhabit the owl so no and then the, the,
0: they bring that owl who's dead and they just toss it at his feet yeah they so, end up killing it yeah they yeah. killed the owl before it could get away with the message um so anyway joshua i, I loved this line i think this line in particular was kind of cool he he's remembering the conversation he just had with clive where you have to protect he's something about you have to protect father or something like that yeah, right yeah uh, it's and your duty. couldn't do it. Your duty. You had to He's protect. like, I have to. I had to. And I didn't. Past tense. Yeah, past tense. It's over. And it's like, uh, it's gone. Like, yeah. it, in the blink of an eye, it just totally, like, yeah. w- before you could even, it's just in shock. At How did that happen? How did that just happen in front of you? Yeah. What the heck? And it's it's at this point where his sort of desperation comes out, and the phoenix begins to sort of emerge yeah. from him, and the wing's growing. <laughs> um, and they're just like, oh, Like (laughs) kill (laughs) me. Right? And then it's like, oh no, the 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 icon is here, like run away. Like there's no way we're fighting an icon. Yeah. And then just out of nowhere, this second icon of fire emerges from Clive. And I really love how Murdoch is like watching this, like a second icon of fire, that's impossible. That's impossible. And then the fire from Ifrit just like burns him to a crisp and he just dies right there. Yeah. Like, he's just, just, like, blown away by that fire. He's just yeah. like, what the heck? And so, this is a big mystery. There should not be a second icon of fire. There should only be one icon for each element, it seems. Yeah. And so, Phoenix and Ifrit start this big battle. We've already mentioned, you know, we weren't necessarily the biggest fans of yeah, the, the, the mechanics the of way this fight. Yeah, yeah. But, the result of the scene and the way that Ifrit is, like, just sort of tearing... Phoenix apart, and Clive is watching. That was really—it's super difficult. brutal stuff. Yeah, It's—it's—it's—it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. And he's to shouting watch. the whole time, like yeah. no, no, yeah!" yeah. Um, and and he, the way he kills him, too, is like picks him up by the neck and just like impales him straight through with his claw. Yeah, You're like you murderer, I'll kill you. I'll effing kill you. Yeah, <laughs> but the big part on the back of this is you got some soldiers, imperial soldiers, kind of going through the aftermath yeah. of this. Killing, and, killing everyone. Make sure they yeah, dead. making sure they're all dead. And Annabella is there, and it's like, oh my gosh, she was involved in this, but she doesn't seem that broken up at no. all <coughs> about Joshua. She she no. says the words. She's like, oh darn it, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Dang it, my kid. That's pretty yeah. much it. Be- and and yeah. this leads me to also believe that the reason she's not in anguish the way her words suggest she should be because, you know, Joshua was my world and now he's gone is what she says. But she says it in this way of like, oh, darn. I guess I hope that the emperor has a a place for me in the new world he's building. Yeah. It it was so cold and so heartless. Yeah. That it's just like, holy crap, like even Joshua she didn't really care about. But that does leave me to think with the phoenix and the rising, that she's, she she knows, knows something.
1: He'll come back. That he
0: might be coming back, yeah. right? Um, but without saying that because the game doesn't want to just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, that also diminishes the stakes. <laughs> it would kind of give of away this scene. something. Yeah. But I, I think there's clearly something going on there. I think that that Josh was not dead. He's yeah. He's dead, but he's coming back.
1: I can't imagine that that was her actual reaction.
0: Yes, and <clears throat> but.
1: There's something really good, though. Oh, sure. The soldiers around her called him. Um, they called him hell, Hellfire. Oh, did they? Yeah, they said the Hellfire.
0: Um, oh, he was sh- maybe the the, the block shielded him from the flames or whatever. That's why Clive okay. survived. Her. But uh, the Hellfire is the term for like the big attack that Ifrit does in the all attack? the Final Fantasy games. Oh, in all the Final Fantasy, yeah. Games. It, hellfire see. is its big like okay fire.
1: Well, fire. it's just interesting in light of what. Annabelle said previously, where she said, I would brave hell itself to see my darling boy. Yes. Um, this makes me think just those two things together, coupled with her weird reaction and just that she the, knew. what's wrong. Um, I wonder if Clive came from an affair with somebody else, mm. that Clive is not the Duke's son, but may still be her son. Um, or if Clive's adopted, or if Clive's just the That's Duke's an son. interesting I don't thought. know. But the reason why she doesn't like Clive at all it would make a lot more sense if she was like oh you, either she knows that he's just not hers or she knows that he's the thing that can supplant the
0: phoenix well or that he's the source of the hell that she has to brave to get to her darling boy exactly
1: board. exactly um in which case she's like no the phoenix were the were the phoenix people she has an inkling that clive is going to kill joshua yes. and that's why she resents him and hates him so much oh. and she's like i i Anyways, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, there, she's, just there don't know. Maybe she's just a bad guy. I don't know. Maybe she's just a bad person.
0: The, the, it's really interesting that Clive might, I didn't think of that. Yeah, Clive I Clive might be the result now. of an affair between her and someone else other than Elwin. In which case- That could be in crazy. In which
1: case, the person she had the affair with could be the one who knows the that The dominant Ifrit.
0: of Ifrit yeah. who passed that to him. Yeah. So he got the power of Hellfire, the Ifrit dominant power from some unknown person yeah, that could be crazy. But that person knows <laughs> that
1: would be crazy.
0: We're maybe that yeah, person is the hooded figure. Like yes, who knows, exactly. Right? That's his
1: like real dad or or something. I mean, he looks so much like the. He Duke. does,
0: and I think that might be
1: I don't the know.
0: sleight of hand. Well, the likelihood <laughs> is that
1: it's Duke's of aff- dude. The Duke's the one who had an affair with somebody with sure. another person or something like that. I don't know. And she has to just pretend that it's her kid. Mm. um I don't know if that's where it's going, but that would be. I don't know cool. either. But there, <laughs> we just threw a few ideas out there, and uh, we're going to find out pretty soon yeah. uh, whether any of them are right. But
0: so at first yeah. she's she's like, "No, just kill him," right? She has yeah. obviously no and regard. Then she's like, wait, but then wait. she says, "Wait, wait." Um, you know, as my my husband never tired of telling me, he's a good soldier. <laughs> put him on the front. Put lines. him on the front lines as one of the slave soldiers of the empire. Yeah, you know, like so.
1: Now, anytime, if you're anybody out there who is an uh, like who is evil, is really evil. <laughs> um, just note this: anytime an evil person is like, I could kill them right now, but I'd rather make them suffer. <laughs> it always backfires. They're going to escape. They're going to find Literally you. They're going to kill you. Um, just, just kill, kill them. them. <laughs> just kill them right then and there.
0: Don't monologue about it. Just do Don't it. Don't
1: monologue. Don't try to oh, prolong <laughs> the stuff. Oh, I'll make you watch that. No, just kill him right then and there.
0: Do it. That's that. Yeah. Um, and then even her servants are, are slain. Their throats are cut. Yeah. Uh, seemingly
1: away. at her command. It's almost yeah. like she um, doesn't want. Anybody. Anybody. To know yeah.
0: from the Rosaria what she did. Right. Know, to be Except, left Except, I mean, you have no to have some, some conspirators. Yeah.
1: Uh, But none of the, like, quote, good guys, right?
0: Yeah. And that pretty much brings us to the end of what we're going to cover for this podcast, uh, this first episode. It's a long one. Thank you for joining us. Um, I have no idea. Usually we do this in a sort of a format where we tell people where to play up to next time. Yeah, we don't freaking know. (laughs) No clue how far I'm going to get versus how far you're going to get. So it's whoever Um, gets the least far. That's as far as we go in the next episode.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Play three-ish, maybe four hours.
0: Yeah, somewhere in that range. I I think generally it's between a three and a five-hour sort of mark, depending on how much is in there to analyze. But that's usually about how far we get each week. So. Um, That's. You know what? I'm going to recant.
1: If you're evil... Yes, leave the person alive to continue suffering. That's actually a very good idea. It will never backfire. Um, definitely explain your plan. It, it, make them suffer for twenty years. Um, yeah,
0: especially if it's me.
1: Don't definitely, kill them. Um,
0: Don't kill me and make me suffer as much as possible. And I definitely won't <laughs> escape. To no, have definitely my not. I would never part. even like think to try to do something yeah. like that. So yeah, definitely Anyways, do that. Appreciate you guys for watching and uh, looking forward to the next chapter. Yeah, um, me too. A lot of there are a lot of legitimately interesting mysteries here and us having talked about it now I'm really interested to see where they go with some things. What's
1: going to happen and this game is, it's very good and it's very compelling. I want to know what happens next.
0: Yeah, it's good for sure. I'm I'm ready for the next part so we'll see you next week.